welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Today we're going to be talking about to stay quarantined or not. That is the question. You know, um, we're kind of in a strange sort of, uh, oh, kind of halfway point or not even halfway, but like uh, um, in in a no man's land where on the one hand, uh, we're sick of talking about and hearing about coronavirus. But on the other hand, that is really all we want to talk about and think about because we're still trying to figure out what we want to do and we are trying to deal with so many different kinds of emotions. Um, it is, and now, of course, the particular thing that is most on everybody's mind is, as I said in the title, to stay quarantined or not? That's the question. So many, most states have lifted some degree of regulations. They're all different, which, of course, is very confusing. (laughs) Um, But there has been some uh, loosening of the reins in pretty much all states. And, uh, you know, What they have loosened and what they haven't loosened varies. Uh, And the rationale for these things are, don't make any sense. Uh, Just like the rationale for letting out prisoners made no sense. And we're seeing, you know, those uh, things have come home to roost. Chickens (laughs) have come home to roost. As these people who have been uh, let out of jails and prisons have gone on to commit crimes. Surprise, surprise. So the mayors and governors, who's, whoever, you know, the brilliant ideas of the various people in power who decided, oh, well, we'll let the people out of jails and prisons because, you know, uh, they're going to be, that's a, an area where if someone gets COVID, then it'll spread, and not to mention spreading to the people who work there, which is what I really think they were most thinking about. Um, so we'll just let everybody out. Well, you know, some of that, that is one of the most uh, ridiculous and harmful decisions that have been made amongst a whole bunch of ridiculous and harmful decisions that people in power, notably uh, mayors and governors, have been making since the beginning of this pandemic. And, of course, another one that really um, is, just gets me furious as well is the decisions, particularly in New York, where um, uh, Governor um, Cuomo and Mayor de Blasio decided that I don't know which one was more responsible for this. Cuomo seems to be being blamed more for it, so let's go with him. Um, his decision had to do with putting COVID-positive patients uh, back into or into, for the first time, nursing homes and thereby infecting other people in the nursing homes because, um, because nursing homes are not set up to, they don't treat, 
people with serious illnesses. They don't really treat people with any illnesses. I mean, it depends on the nursing home and what the general level of uh, the general condition of the people are who live there. But a lot of nursing homes are, you know, they fall into that category, really have people who are just of a certain age and they don't necessarily have any illness or certainly nothing acute, nothing super serious, nothing like COVID. So um, he had people go once they were COVID positive, he sent them, if they came from a nursing home, and he sent them back to a nursing home. If they didn't come from a nursing home, but they were of that age, he sent them into a nursing home. When, in fact, um, there were spaces, beds, at the Javits Center in Manhattan, and the ship, the Comfort Ship, both of those places hardly had anybody. They were opened up to take the overflow, and they hardly had anybody in them. So these are examples of some really uh, bad decisions that killed people, you know, whether they were killed because they were in a nursing home and they then got exposed to COVID because of someone coming back there who was positive, or um, whether they were attacked and killed or raped by one of these prisoners who were let out of prison or or jail because of, uh, you know, the because they couldn't put them... <laughs> They couldn't put them into cells, uh, keep a separate section for the people who were COVID positive. I mean, I'm being sarcastic. Of course they could have done that. Anyhow, let's get to what we primarily are going to talk about today, because this is probably primarily what you are probably thinking about, and that is, as I said, to stay quarantined or not. That is the question. Well, now, a lot of people have what has been called quarantine fatigue, and you may be one of them. Um, I have quarantine fatigue to some degree it's, as the weeks go by. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, we're, um, we're, for a number of reasons I'm going to tell you about, but, you know, the thing is that you can both have quarantine fatigue and you can also not want quarantine to end. So I'm going to tell you about how people feel in each of these conditions, and you can decide which one you are feeling more. Do you uh, are you feeling quarantine more, or are you feeling I mean quarantine fatigue more, or are you feeling you don't want quarantine to end, or some mixture? All right. Well, let's talk about quarantine fatigue now. The main reason why we're experiencing quarantine fatigue is because nothing seems to be getting better. At the beginning of quarantine, I'm calling quarantine, lockdown, isolation, calling it all for purposes of today, calling it all quarantine. Um, So at the beginning, we were scared about catching coronavirus, a lot of us, and sad about the people who were getting sick. And so we followed the rules and we made the best of it. But now, weeks upon weeks of being cooped up with so-called authorities revealing that they really don't have a clue about the virus has worn us down. And that particularly, uh, people who are telling us one thing one week, changing their mind, doing a 180, telling us the opposite the next week, that had to do with, for example, when we were told at the beginning, uh, not to wear masks because we should save the masks for the uh, doctors and the nurses. 
and then now we're told we should wear masks, and then uh, and then masks have all kinds of political implications as well. So all of these different things, and then uh, wiping down the packages that you get from the supermarket, we were told to do that, then we were told not to do that. We were told it's okay to stand six feet apart, then we were told, no, actually the virus um, can go a lot further, and actually the virus can last a lot longer. So we're getting the picture here. We've gotten the picture that nobody who's telling us what to do really knows what the hell they're talking about. So that is very wearing, frustrating, wearing, um, makes us think, well, why, why should we be listening to whatever it is that they say now that we should stay in quarantine or get out of quarantine or whatever? Um, we're also tired of hearing statistics, you know, in quarantine, what most people tend to do is to watch a lot of television. And when you watch a lot of television, you hear hour upon hour, how many people just, just turned positive, how many tests there were. And then, of course, they don't connect it for you that the more testing there is, of course, there are going to be more people who test positive. It's not like all of a sudden... All of these people became positive and they were negative yesterday. Um, I mean, they were, we don't know when they turned positive, but it's not, it isn't that which changed. What changed is the number of tests they're giving out, especially because uh, so many people, the majority of people, don't have symptoms. And then, of course, they talk about the number of people who got hospitalized and the number of people in ICU and the number of people who died. I mean, um, we're tired of hearing all this, and this contributes to our quarantine fatigue. Um, meanwhile, we don't hear any mayors or governors talking about the toll that being in quarantine has been taking on our bodies and our minds. Quarantine alone, as I've talked about before on this show, quarantine alone, um, they did studies way before coronavirus, and they found that uh, just being in quarantine and just being in isolation can cause physical and psychological problems, physical problems like um, heart attacks and strokes and weakening of the immune system, and then psychological problems like pretty much anything, anxiety, depression, PTSD. So we have paid a price for being quarantined. This isn't, it hasn't all been good, you know, un, unlike what we were being convinced about, that this is uh, all good if you stay in. And yes, of course, we may well have been flattening the curve, but it came at a price. Um, another reason why we are having quarantine fatigue is because we have been treated like little rats in an experiment, being told to stay in our holes, not being given any hints on how to reach the cheese, <laughs> and um, we're realizing that our freedoms, uh, the more we've been in quarantine, the more this has dawned on more people, how uh, throughout all this time, uh, our freedoms have been taken away willy-nilly. And the longer, the longer we were in quarantine, the more freedoms were taken away. The more mayors and governors uh, flexed their muscles and showed us how, um, you know, told us this, more things that we could or couldn't do. 
I mean, you know, every day, for example, in Los Angeles, uh, the mayor has been doing reports every day. And, um, you know, he, so he, so every day he has new things to say or, or he repeats old things. Um, but he's telling us things that we should or shouldn't do. Uh, same thing with the governor. I mean, I don't know if the governor is every day. I kind of think he might be. Maybe they've been re- relaxing that a bit now, but um, it certainly has been every day for a very long time. And so it almost seems like they are having these press conferences just to show that they're the ones in charge and flexing their muscles and telling us, you know, do this, don't do this, to show that they are the ones still in charge. So the more this has been going on, the more we've been realizing this, and the more people are becoming concerned that um, this is like George Orwell's 1984. I have been talking about this from the beginning of the pandemic. And if we become uh, George Orwell's 1984, then that will be or is a lot scarier than coronavirus. So we've become, a lot of us, mad as hell and we don't want to take it anymore. And that's pretty much why we have been feeling, uh, or a symptom of how we have been feeling, quarantine fatigue. Now, there's another aspect to this, and that is um, maybe you don't want quarantine to end. In, as I said, in a number of states, uh, well, in no, pretty much all states have relaxed. Uh, the quarantine requirements to some degree, to different degrees. You know, can you go to a restaurant and eat in a restaurant if you're sitting six feet apart? Can you only order out and they deliver? Can you go to restaurants? Can you order, call restaurants, put in an order, and you can then go there and pick them, pick it up? Um, what about other kinds of rules? There are, uh, do you have to, well, in most places, most places are saying that you still have to wear a mask. Now, that doesn't mean that people are, in fact, uh, still wearing a mask. And what is really sad is that, um, and stupid, going back to stupid things like putting old people who are positive, COVID positive, into nursing homes and letting the inmates escape. Um, another thing that is positive, that is positive, that is <laughs> has been foolish, is the um, mayors and governors being so uh, so draconian, so harsh, so, uh, you know, flexing their muscles, showing everybody how it's about them wanting to have power. Um, because as they, as they enacted these various rules, including uh, the masks, the it's making people just like teenagers. We want to rebel. It's it's encouraging people to want to rebel. I mean, you know, of course, that there have been many protests in lots of different states, like Michigan and so on, uh, against the mayors and against the the governors um, for the rules that they are have been making. And so, if these rules weren't so draconian, people would have been a lot more, at this point, people would be a lot more um, cooperative as far as wearing a mask, staying social distance apart. 
But people are so angry at how badly they've been treated, like little mice being stuffed into their holes, that they want to rush out and do exactly the opposite to show the people in charge that, um, that they're flaunting the rules. I mean, we saw this weekend, Memorial Day weekend, um, a lot of people went to beaches, certainly in California. There were beaches in Florida. Uh, and people were, it's one thing to go to beaches. We were allowed to go to beaches if you biked or if you walked or if you swam. Um, but people, but in, we weren't allowed here and I think in the other places like in Florida, we weren't allowed to sit down on blankets, you know, to stay there, in other words, for a long period of time and to be sitting close together. But that's exactly what the people did. They didn't just go to the beach. I mean, some people just went to the beach and rode their bike or walked or swam. But a lot of people, and I'm sure you probably saw pictures of this in the newspaper online, um, of people in bathing suits sitting purposely, you know, on blankets, super close together. So they really, the people in charge really did not do uh, themselves a favor, did not, you know, um, do things in a way that would inspire cooperation. Instead, they inspired resentment and they inspired people to be passive aggressive and to do the exact opposite. Now that we're getting, you know, uh, there's a saying, um, if we give you five fingers or two fingers, you want to take the whole hand. Um, you know, so now people, even though they, they're being given uh, some leeway, now they want to take the whole hand. Now they want to, to uh, take more than what they are being allowed because of all this built-up rage. All right, when we come back, we'll talk more um, about perhaps you are in this category of not wanting quarantine to end. So I will talk to you about the 10 reasons why you might not want quarantine to end. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787. Hello? And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com 
These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one Internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking with you today about to stay quarantined or not. That is the question. Well, in the previous segment, I was talking to you about some symptoms of quarantine fatigue, and you can think about whether that uh, describes you. But now I'm going to talk about the 10 reasons why you might not want quarantine to end. So here, first reason, you're afraid coronavirus isn't really under control and that everyone flocking together without masks or social distancing will cause a resurgence that may even be worse. You know, it does seem um, likely, actually, that the way so many people have been flaunting the rules, like I was just talking about, sitting close to each other on the beach, for example, no mask and no social distancing, um, it seems, you know, inevitable that there will be a resurgence of cases of coronavirus. In other words, that more people will catch coronavirus or catch COVID. And it could be worse. Um, But uh, so some people don't want quarantine to end because of being afraid that, um, that you could get sick if you go out, you know, and if people are not being not doing the things that would keep you safe. Of course, I've been saying from the get-go that it's, what the solution to this is everybody has to look out for themselves. I'm not saying we shouldn't wear masks or we should or, or, or you know, I'm not, saying, I'm not saying we shouldn't do things to protect other people. But what I am saying is instead of concentrating on all these uh, rules, that the basic thing we should all be doing, should have all been doing and now doing and continue to be doing, is to be taking care of ourselves in terms of keeping ourselves healthy. That includes um, trying to protect ourselves from stress, which would include not watching television shows 24-7 that talk about all the dying people. And how the, and the message, giving out the message how you're going to die, we're all going to die. Um, so to do things that keep stress down, you know, listening to new age music or classical music, taking walks on the beach or in, a, in some place where there's nature, where there are plants, um, meditating, all kinds of things that would 
decrease stress and to purposely every day do something to help you decrease your stress. And then the basic, because um, the point being that stress weakens the immune system, which makes you more vulnerable to coronavirus. So um, in addition to decreasing your stress, You need to do the basics not only of washing your hands, but of eating nutritious food, of getting enough sleep and getting enough exercise and taking vitamins and supplements that build up the immune system. So if everybody did just these basic things that I just described, we wouldn't have to be so worried about whether people were wearing a mask or not wearing a mask or how many feet away they were from us. Because the key is... um, to just keep, if everybody kept themselves as healthy as possible, then um, then there wouldn't be that much of a spread of coronavirus, period. Because if, even if we caught it, so to speak, we wouldn't get sick from it. Okay, number two for why you don't, you don't want quarantine to end. You're frightened of the uncertainty of what the world will look like when you walk back into it and what your, your place will be in this new normal. Will you have enough money to survive? Will you still have friends? How will you cope with the traffic again? So, you know, nobody really has been able to tell us, nobody knows exactly what the world is going to look like um, other than one day at a time because, uh, you know, right now it's this big ball of uncertainty. How many businesses are going to go un- under? How many jobs are going to be lost and for how long? We know, for example, how many people have filed for unemployment. But what does that tell us? I mean, there are also companies that are hiring more, like, for example, pizza delivery companies because people are calling up these places to have pizza delivered. So there are places or Um, working in a grocery store or, you know, um, a Costco or something. There are places that actually need more workers because they are open (laughs) and, um, and they need more people like to clean up, to clean the counters and to um, do things like that in these various stores. So, so there are people who are going to be able to find jobs. It may not be, uh, you know, it'll be people who are accountants wiping up the counter in, uh, in Costco. Not that that is anything to be ashamed of, mind you. <laughs> a job is a job, and if you do it well, you should be proud of yourself. But um, So we don't really know what the economy is going to look like because there are all these changes. Okay, then number three. You've let yourself go. This is for why you don't want your, the quarantine to end. You've let yourself go. You've gotten fat. I think most people have uh, let themselves go to some extent, and particularly by eating comfort food for weeks and weeks and weeks that they're in their house, and now all of a sudden we're told we can come out of our house, and nobody wants to. I shouldn't say nobody. But one reason people don't want the quarantine to end is because they don't want people to see them. You know, how they've changed. They've gotten fat or fatter. They have gray roots, some people. They have broken nails. Um, and uh, all of these various things, various reasons, um, they don't want 
see other people to see them. It's like, oh, wait a second. What? You're going to see me now? <laughs> I can come out and you're going to see me looking like this? No way. So people are ashamed of the way they look. They're afraid they won't be able to put themselves back together quickly enough to go out into public and so on. I mean, it's one thing on Zoom. <laughs> Zoom can cover a lot of sins, you know. Um, you only see, people only see you from a certain, uh, from your chest up or your neck up, <laughs> depending upon how far back from the computer uh, you sit. Um, and so you can, you know, you can, you can cover up some of these things. Um, then number four, you like working from home better than working in the office or, or whatever your workplace is. And you dread returning to the workplace with its stale coffee, annoying coworkers, and demanding boss. Now, I think a lot of people are feeling that. And a lot of companies are realizing that they can save money if they have more people work from home. So that is probably going to be a significant change that stays in the um, workforce in America or maybe even all over the world. Um, and it has its pros and cons, but, uh, but a lot of people have found that they really like this better. They can do things more on their own time. You know, people aren't always uh, hanging over them, looking over them, and so on. Number five, you enjoyed the time you had with your partner or kids, and you don't want this closeness to end. You know, some families, it's been one way or the other or a mixture. Some families have had trouble uh, being cooped up with their partner and or with their kids. Uh, kids who are sort of bored, they don't like Zoom, they're tired of, you know, being taught by Zoom. Uh, some kids didn't even have classes through Zoom. And uh, so the kids, you know, have gotten restless being locked up for all these weeks. And a lot of parents have, have kind of <laughs> had their fill, especially if they were supposed to be helping their kids with their homework and everything. Um, but some parents loved it. They loved playing teacher with their kids and they loved showing their kids, uh, getting their kids involved in their work and the parents' work, having them help them with different tasks and so on and teaching them about what it's like to be a this or a that, you know, uh, inspiring their child to become whatever it is that they are. And then same thing with partners. For some couples, you know, there are going to be a lot of divorces. For some couples, they realized when they've had to spend weeks upon weeks with their partner, you know, a boyfriend, a girlfriend, um, a fiancé, or married partners, you know, spouses, um, some of them have gotten into fights. They've realized that when they have more time to be with them, that really they have grown apart, that really who is this person, you know? Um, I don't have anything in common with my partner anymore, they're saying. Um, because in the way things were before coronavirus, one or both of them were working, and so they didn't have face-to-face -face time 24-7. And, you know, there's this saying, familiarity breeds contempt. And, um, and so some of them are, have fallen, some couples have fallen out of love. And as I said, there are going to be um, quite a number of divorces. There are, have already been 
filings uh, that are beginning to hit the courts. So other people, on the other hand, other couples, um, have loved this time with their partner. They, you know, especially, for example, women who are stay-at-home moms and they have some fear that their husband is going to um, have an affair with a woman at work, not, not necessarily a particular woman, but just the fact that the temptation is out there. And so they love having this, uh, all this time with their partner and getting closer. It's been, in a lot of cases, it's been one extreme or the other. So, but for the, for the people who loved this time with their partner and loved this time with their kids, they don't want this closeness to end. Because, you know, typically these days in American households, I mean, it used to be that families would have dinners together at least. And that was a time when everyone could, can, could form closer bonds and, and uh, ask each other how they're feeling, how their day was, and all of that. And now in lots of families, they're all rushing to one thing or the other, and they don't sit down with their family. And that's really something that's been a horrible that's had a horrible impact on the American family, not parents not insisting upon kids being with them at dinner time, or sometimes it's the other way. It's the parent who's out, and it's the kid, kids who are with a nanny. Then number six, um, you don't want the stress of going out into the world with the pressures of getting ahead, keeping up with the latest trends, and coolest things to do. Once everyone totally goes out into the world, you know, now there are all these other things that we have to think about. There were so many things in quarantine that you couldn't do, that, you know, you, um, you didn't have to worry about, like, like getting tickets for a concert or, um, or making sure that you were uh, included in the lunch that friends were having or... Um, Oh, just, you know, getting ahead in the world in, in your career, in your job, in your profession, um, doing things to, to get ahead with that. Uh, and now, now that we're all getting to be pretty much free, that pressure is on again to, uh, to get ahead one way or the other. Then seven, um, you don't want to feel obligated to see your in-laws or friends you don't really like or having to network in person to get leads for jobs or sales. You know, it's one thing to sit behind your computer screen and casually do these things. It's another thing to have to go to uh, networking events to start pushing for jobs or sales. And then um, eight, you've come to love sleeping in late, sitting on the couch, binge-watching TV shows and movies, eating comfort food, and not having to answer to anyone. Does that sound like you? <laughs> and nine, you've become addicted to the calm of solitude, and you don't want people draining your energy or drawing you into a negative place. That's an actually a very important one. You know, some people don't like being alone, but a lot of people who, who thought they didn't like being alone have come to actually appreciate it, appreciate the calm, appreciate not having to deal with drama, high drama people uh, or downer people, Debbie Downers. And then last but not least, number 10, 
you have some awareness that your mental health isn't what it should be. You suspect you're suffering from anxiety or depression or PTSD or other symptoms, and you're hesitant to reach out for help. So you don't want to go out, you know, into the world when you know that your mental health isn't quite what it was and what it should be. So those are the 10 reasons why you might not want quarantine to end. So think about it during the break, (laughs) whether you're more the type who has quarantine fatigue or more the type who doesn't really want quarantine to end. Another part of uh, the pressure um, is if you haven't finished your project, maybe you started a project and uh, you haven't quite finished it, so you don't want quarantine to end until you've finished it, started a book, started uh, reading a book or writing a book or some other kind of project that you didn't have a chance to finish. Well, stay tuned. We're going to talk more about um, some other issues related to where we are now with coronavirus when we come back. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch, where we're talking today about quarantine. Um, To leave... (laughs) To, to leave or stay in quarantine, that is the question. Now, um, I was mentioning as the last number 10 reason for why you might um, want to stay in quarantine is because you're realizing that your mental health 
isn't quite up to par, isn't the way it was, or there's, you know, there's something, you know, that, that you're not, that you're not, um, that isn't quite right about how you're feeling. You recognize it that in yourself. And I talked about that you might be feeling anxiety, depression, PTSD, or other symptoms. So now let me talk to you about, because, you know, so many people, um, more people than ever, are feeling some kind of uh, mental, I don't want to say mental illness, but some kind of psychiatric symptoms. And so I'm going to talk to you now about why you shouldn't trade your anxiety or depression or insomnia or any other kind of similar kind of thing for an addiction to pills. A lot of people, there are statistics, astounding statistics, that tend, that range from 10 to 35%, depending upon, you know, the different studies or where they are and so on. 10 to 35% of people, or let me put it a different way, in various, according, in, according to different pharmacies and hospitals and so on who have been asked this question, the results have shown that there has been an increase during the pandemic, an increase in prescriptions for medications to treat anxiety, depression, and insomnia as much as 10 to 35% increase. So, you know, unfortunately, with the way that the mental health system is now, with so many doctors, um, psychiatrists doing med visits, which are these brief visits, usually uh, 15 to 20 minutes, where all the psychiatrist asks you about is your symptoms, and then if he has given you a prescription, then the side effects. When you come back, they ask about the side effects. And this has totally, psychiatry has gone down the tubes. <laughs> I'm not uh, afraid to admit that. I have been shouting this from the rooftops. And the reason why psychiatry has gone down the tubes is because of insurance companies um, and Obamacare any kind of third payer, as they call it, any kind of um, organization or company who is supposed to be paying for psychiatric treatment. I mean, as it is, psychiatric treatment has not, never been paid for as much as well as um, physical illnesses. But um, at some point, some years ago, 15 years ago, something like that, uh, insurance companies realized that they could pay people who aren't MDs, psychiatrists are MDs, psychologists are PhDs or PsyDs, and then social workers have usually a master's in social work, something like that. And then um, marriage and family therapists have even less education. Um, they are called MFCs, MFTs, marriage and family therapists, or MFCs. Uh, marriage and Family and Child Counselor, MFCC. Anyhow, whatever the, whatever the uh, initials, you know, the, that's the, the totem pole. That's how um, psychiatrists go to medical school um, and spend 
three years plus afterwards having a psychiatric residency. Psychologists go to psych grad school and do a, an internship or, you know, also do some extra training after their uh, formal schooling. And, um, and then social workers, less time, less education and MFCs, MFTTs, whatever. <laughs> they have even less. MF, MFC and MFT, they have even less. So, um, so, but getting back to psychiatrists, so psychiatrists, because psychiatrists are the only ones who are MDs, they are the only ones, the only kind of mental health professional who can prescribe medication. I'm going through this in a painstaking way because so many people don't really know this, know the difference. So let's start with that. So, okay, so psychiatrists are the only ones who can prescribe any kind of medication. And insurance companies um, realized at some point, 10 to 15 years ago, that although they need psychiatrists with MDs to prescribe medication, they could get away with, so they thought, they could get away with not having a psychiatrist with all those years of education doing therapy, that psychologists can do therapy, social workers can do therapy, MFTs can do therapy. Um, so why pay a psychiatrist more to do therapy when you could pay a social worker a lot less? That was their thinking. Of course, the truth is, as I was saying, psychiatrists are not only trained in, in medication. That's not what you know, that's not the predominant uh, part of their medication, of their medication, <laughs> of their training. The predominant part of, of a psychiatrist's training, yes, we learn how to do, um, how to prescribe medications and why you would pick this medication for a person instead of that medication and what physical illnesses you would look out for, why you wouldn't prescribe this medication for a person with that kind of physical illness and so on. Yes, there is a lot of training that goes into that. But there is also a lot of training that goes into teaching a psychiatrist how to do psychotherapy. So psychiatrists um, have been trained to do both. But the problem is that when insurance companies decided that they wanted to save money by having people um, who, you know, who charge less, I mean, obviously, psychiatrists on the whole, psychiatrists on the whole charge more than psychologists who charge more than social workers who charge more than MFTs because of the years of training and so on. So when insurance companies, you know, all of a sudden the light bulb went off one day and they realized this, they made it financially impossible for most psychiatrists to do therapy as well as prescribe medication. And, um, and that is why... Uh, so many, most psychiatrists just do these med visits. Well, that was not how I was trained to just do med visits. Medication alone does not cure anybody from anything. And it is the medication that may help with the symptoms while you're doing psychotherapy. But nobody who has anything that you need a medication for doesn't need psychotherapy. In other words, if you need medicine for anything, anxiety, depression, insomnia, you need psychotherapy as well. So now getting back to uh, coronavirus and whether you might be feeling anxiety, depression, or insomnia, 
um, you have to be very careful because most anxiety medications, anti-anxiety medications like Xanax, Ativan, Klonopin, Valium, and a whole host of others, I'm not picking on any one particular anti-anxiety medication, all of them are very addicting. I will not prescribe an anti-anxiety medication to a patient because the addiction gets to be so serious and the detox from the addiction can be life-threatening. Now, what happens is at the beginning, a small dose seems to work for anxiety, but our bodies build up a tolerance. So soon you need, if you're still feeling anxious, at, you will still be feeling anxious at that same dose, and you'll need to increase the um, anti-anxiety medication and so on, and it keeps happening. You keep, you know, build, it's called a tolerance. You build a tolerance to it. So at higher and higher doses, um, you, you build a tolerance more and more, and, and ultimately you get addicted to it. I have detoxed patients who have been, become addicted to anti-anxiety medications, obviously not that I gave them, and it is horrendous. It takes forever uh, to do it right, you have to go into the hospital. It takes forever. You have to lower these medications very, very slowly. You can have all kinds of problems like seizures and all kinds of um, problems from, from detoxing from these medications. Now, antidepressants are not addicting, but there are things that you need to be aware of before taking them. First of all, it should always be prescribed by a psychiatrist. And a psychiatrist who can see you every week to check on things, how you're doing on the medication, uh, and also, of course, to be doing psychotherapy. So just to be clear, so for anxiety, the cure for anxiety is therapy, is intensive psychotherapy, which means at least once a week. Same thing for depression, intensive psychotherapy, at least once a week, talking therapy, 45 minutes to an hour of talking therapy. So with um, depression, yes, you can take antidepressants, um, but your psychiatrist needs to be seeing you every week um, for the therapy and then checking on your medicine and, and for side effects and to see whether you're feeling more depressed or even suicidal. Now, a lot of antidepressants have what's called a black label on them because, um, because they found that especially in uh, teenagers and young adults that sometimes when they are given antidepressants, they become suicidal and they commit suicide. Well, now, it's not really because of the medication. If the medication was being given at the same time as the person was getting psychotherapy, it wouldn't be a problem. The problem is that psychiatrists prescribe an antidepressant, too many of them, too many psychiatrists do this, on these med visits, they give them a prescription and then they tell them to come back in a month or two. And by that point, the antidepressant has made them feel energized enough to go through with their suicidal thoughts. People who are depressed oftentimes have suicidal thoughts, but they're often too... Um, too passive, too weakened, too, you know, they can't even figure out how to do it and to get the energy up to commit suicide. 
But then if you start taking an antidepressant and all of a sudden you have a lot more er energy, you can follow through with your plans to commit suicide. But if you're seeing a psychiatrist um, every week, those kinds of things are what is talked about in therapy and you would be protected from committing suicide. And if your psychiatrist doesn't uh, do therapy every week, then at least he should, he or she should arrange for you to be seeing a therapist uh, at the same time that they, that the psychiatrist is giving you the medication. You should also be seeing a therapist for psychotherapy to find out both of these things is to get to the root of it. Why are you anxious? Why are you depressed? That is how you get undepressed and unanxious. And then same thing for sleeping. Medication for insomnia is also addicting. And there are ways to get over insomnia that do not include medication. I mean, obviously, psychotherapy. But even other things like uh, sleep hygiene things, they call them, like avoiding caffeinated beverages four to six hours before bed and uh, not using your bed for anything other than sleep and not watching um, scary movies or scary news, but right before you go to sleep. There's a whole bunch of things that you can do that's called sleep hygiene that do not include medication. But of course, going to psychotherapy and figuring out what are the things, what are the worries, dealing with the worries that are keeping you up, that is the key. So if you have anxiety, depression, trouble sleeping, um, I'm not saying to, to suffer with it, but you should contact a mental health professional and you should never take any kind of psychiatric medication without also being in psychotherapy. Well, thank you for listening to the to Dr. Carol's Couch. I hope that uh, I'm, I'm always trying to help you with all these shows that I've been doing. You know, during the coronavirus, I've been essentially uh, doing shows that are meant to help you with coping with this. And so I hope that it is helping. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat.